0: I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2018 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. Today's program, part two of measuring precision payback and easing pain points. And if this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know and we'll make an effort to get it added. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. While precision farming tools are a part of many farmers' systems, and while technology often improves efficiency and productivity, it can also pose adoption challenges. During the fourth annual National Strip Tillage Conference in Omaha, we assembled a diverse group of farmers for a structured, yet at times, spontaneous dinner conversation. With a focus on strategies, objectives, and outcomes of utilizing precision farming systems, the discussion also touched on influential factors when making precision purchases and the significance of having a reliable support network. At the table were Carrie and Angela Knuth from Mead, Nebraska, Jeff Reintz from Shell Rock, Iowa, and Tim Leisner from Parkston, South Dakota. In today's Precision Farming Dealer Podcast, we continue the conversation with selected excerpts from our roundtable conversation, starting with some insight on influential factors in making precision farming purchases. So it sounds very much for, for you guys, it was uh, more of a relationship-based decision making making versus kind of product-oriented or you know anything that maybe would have been you know kind of uh, specific to a brand. And, and I right. mean, it's something that does seem to happen more in the precision side, where you're much more loyal to the service and support than any particular you know brand that you're seeing. that sounds that it's been the case certainly for you guys.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the technology has to have certain features we're looking for, but yeah, definitely service.
0: Well, you guys have mentioned, too, I mean, a couple of the shortcomings that you guys have seen with some of the products you've used on the precision side. Where do you see, you know, kind of the greatest need in your operation for improvement on that precision area? Or as an industry, yeah, as a whole? I mean where where are things kind of falling short that you see kind of the need to either close that gap or take what you're doing to the next level? Uh, You guys have talked about kind of some of the innovative nature of some things you're doing as well, but um, you know where do you see the industry needing to kind of step up? Uh, Whether it's the manufacturers or some of the the service providers out there? Probably One of the things was
2: was communication between more of them So, so it makes it easier Make Angela's job yeah, easier. Yeah, the
1: communication <laughs> so that we don't have to take a USB out because I forgot to add something. and most so we have to upload it, and it's usually the field that's furthest away. <laughs> and then, and then just the sharing of data between the different, the different colors, the different monitors, and, and and in the background, the software packages, which we know it's coming, but it's like, it's needs it needs to happen.
2: And from a from in a field standpoint or more of the basic stuff. What I really want is the the day that I can control where the piece of equipment goes in the field before it even goes there. Where my sprayer guy I don't have to make up his mind where which direction he wants to go. Because he doing? always seems to go a different... Yeah, he goes he goes a different way than he'd done before. <laughs> and, I, and I watch him on Farm Mobile, and I'm going... I'm just screaming sometimes. <laughs> going, why are you doing that? That is not the most efficient way. That is...
1: Yeah, most efficient way to farm a field.
2: Yeah, that's that's what you need. And we've been working. I can't say too much, but um, been working with a little bit of you know grain cart capacity with combine and where the grain cart has been, and it's all going to come down to you know. So eventually we'll be able. to, Like even the combine, I run the combine all the time, and if I have to stop and dump, I'm not happy. So I'm trying to find my best way. I'm always thinking, where do I go? Angel's grain cart. I don't yell at her. Angel, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we make a good team volumes turned, off, turned off. <laughs> <laughs> but we make a good a team sign language. <laughs> but, but that's efficient and, and one of the reasons I run the combine all the time is like efficiency I mean like when I plant a field I know the way I planted it last time I plant it the same way every time but that sprayer operator he's in the field three times now we're doing three operations and he's always going somewhere different and I'm like what are you doing or, or running out of spray on the wrong end, mm-hmm. and then running empty, I'm like, you have to know what's going on here. And if, when I can control that, or we can pre-plan that ahead in the winter, beautiful.
3: Mm-hmm. So you think of Farm Mobile and these other providers, it would be in their best interest to maybe have sit downs like this and get your perspective? Is it sometimes it seems like they're just totally in left field of
2: it. Yeah, I mean, we've worked with Farm Mobile for two years now. I mean, you talk quite a bit with Heath and-
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're, I I like that they're, what they're they're doing, Um, and it's mostly machine data right now, Um, so it'd be nice if they can couple the input data with it so we're not having to go to different, you know, so I don't have to go into the the display that doesn't have it because we're just, you know, spreading water. (laughs) So, yeah, we like what they're doing, and we're um, they're working with uh, another company, a software company, Crobzilla. And they're trying to migrate that data, which is gonna be really awesome from us for us because we're putting in real expense numbers for for these pieces of equipment and if they can you know, if they can take that seamlessly in there, that's gonna be pretty powerful for him as far as decision making.
2: Because it's gonna be the closest that we can come to tracking true costs <laughs> with equipment versus we have FBS software which is managerial accounting since 2008 tried to get it done in there in the field operation but we could never get there with Cropzilla now at least we had we keep track on the FBS side of you know cost per machine like repairs, lease costs, insurance, everything goes towards that piece of equipment any piece of equipment we have so that was great when Cropzilla come along and Then all that Cost could go right in there, and they were like, "Yeah, we can give have your true cost just like that." Where we could never get an FPS, but this this is going to be sweet oh,
1: on a per field basis. Krabsilic, yeah. uh, they're working. I mean, they're actually going to tell us they can work with you to tell you if you're over have too much horsepower, or you know, for the size of field you have, or if it's too big for another piece of equipment. I don't know how the how I don't remember how all that works, but. So, moving that, yeah, moving that real time data, what well, doesn't have to be real time, but moving that real data that's actual real numbers, not just what you're estimating, into Crabzilla. That
3: could be one of the big steps of these companies putting their advantages together. Maybe mm-hmm. not like a formal merger, but say, hey, I can provide this, you can yes. provide this, let's work together. That's yeah. like a pretty good example. Yeah, yeah, but it
4: all boils down to the money. Yeah. <laughs> They're in line with the rub.
1: Yeah, but if you can, if you get a, a more microscopic view of what you're doing than then you know where the money's.
4: No, I mean from their side. They're trying to get as much money oh, right yeah, yeah. as they're not gonna let that up unless they get beat up real bad.
1: Or, yeah, I mean we request, uh, they those two companies <coughs> decided to work together now with Crobzilla on the backside of that. There's AgSolver mm-hmm. software. Now they visually tell you what area of the field you're losing or making money in. So if you could take that from Cropzilla and drop that in there, so you could map out for each field, you know, there's another synergy right there. That again, not one pl- not one provider can, can um, provide that to you.
2: They're actually showing parts of the field that maybe you shouldn't even farm. Yeah, Ag Leader has that through
5: the SMS Advanced. Um, there's profit loss mapping. You can put in your equipment, and it'll go search the web and tell you what the, like it'll know the fuel per hour. Consumption of that machine you can put in your input cost of everything else and you can even run multi-year average and, and I know people firsthand that have run that multi-year average and gone and put these 12 acres into CRP Because they found that over the last five years. They averaged losing $12 an acre and that was even over some of the good The good marketing years uh, and, a, and
1: they knew it
5: they knew it, but they never <coughs> calculated it down to that specific spot and uh, sometimes I know, I know a guy that used to actually work at Ag Leader made a portion of his field an alfalfa field and rented that out to a cattle farmer up the road. And then people would ask him, like, why is there an alfalfa field in the middle of your other field? Because <laughs> I was tired <laughs> of losing
6: money there. What do you think the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, your Titan dealers, your Van Walls, or the other ones that you're working on are going to think when the, uh, you guys have better access to cheaper truer costs <clears> for <throat> machinery? Per field.
1: They're not going to like it, are they? No. <laughs> yeah, we're no, not but gonna. The, We beat them to the punch maybe then because they're they're trying to, you know, with like uh, the, what do they call it, the diagnostics, you know, they can get in. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be tracking, you know, if you let them, they'll track every hour and know everything about your machine. It's like, oh, well, I don't know if we want <laughs> them to know that. I don't know if you do without it's being, I, again we go back to without being paid for. There's nothing wrong with sharing data because then you learn more, but, but if it's going to come back and bite you in the butt, then you might as well get paid for getting bitten. By- <laughs> <laughs> so.
5: so in your scenario where you're driving the truck, are you guys, is your farm using any, anything um, as far as fleet management so they can know, you know, the guys in the, in the cab, can, in the combine can know whether you're sitting in line at the elevator, or whether you're you know a mile away, or whether you're no, eight miles away, no. No. is anything like that something that you could see you
4: the farm adopting to or you know I don't I don't think so. We use grain baggers when we're a long ways out, and we have four trucks. We rent another one, lease one. And when the truck shows up, the truck shows up, and if he's not there, you use the bagger. Uh, mm-hmm. We do talk on the radios, you know, we do that stuff if we get hung up or something, but it uh, can only go so fast. I mean, mm-hmm. knowing it, not knowing it, really is going to make a difference. I mean, it does to a degree, but uh, at this point, I don't think so. Can I pipe
2: in on that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been using it four years. Now we use Farm Mobile for two years, but we were with a different fleet tracking before that. But, so five years ago, I have two semis and we're out there harvesting soybeans and we're hauling 45 miles away. And I, you know, you can't over, always get a hold of your drivers and never know what the line's like and they never tell you when they're coming back. And so, you know, I, I'm cutting parts of the field that I can mess around on because I think they're gonna, it's gonna take them, you know, two hours before they get back. Mm-hmm. Get back a half hour earlier, like there was no line. I'm like, I didn't have a load for them. So hurry up, get him loaded. And then I'm like, well, he's going to be back fast. So I'm like cutting in the good part of the field. and Then he doesn't show up. Yeah, then he didn't show up. And I'm like, where are you at? And he goes, well, all of a sudden, the just bogged down in here. I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm just sitting. And I go, after that, I'm like, I'm having fleet tracking. I'm going to watch where they're at. And I told him right up front, it's nothing against you. You know, I'm not trying to see if you go off a beaten path or stop and get a pop or something. I need to know where you're at. And, uh, <laughs> but and that, and so, and then the one we had for two years, it it wasn't even that accurate. It could show you, it could pinpoint you that you were maybe at the elevator, but I couldn't <coughs> see where they were at in there. Now with Farm Mobile, I can see exact movement. I mean, whether on their scale or in the pit, or I mean, every exact movement, and it's awesome. Hmm. Did you get any sort of
5: feedback or uh, kickback or anything through your insurance? Company for like accident recreation, if should a, should a truck be cut in? I never thought of that. It's something I know that you should ask your insurance agent about it because depending on what system you are they have, they can have benefits like mm. a lower rate and stuff for that. Because if mm-hmm. they were in an accident, they can take that GPS data off the truck and do accident recreation. Wow. They can know whether you were doing, you know, 55 to the school zone. Um, wait with our drivers probably don't want to let know <laughs> well, <laughs> just kidding
7: well uh, that's when it
1: came in uh, our son was with a wedding was hauling small squares in Omaha and um, there was construction and he swears that she wasn't there and it was coming down to one lane basically and there was a little little car that um, he hit but uh, she she wasn't in the re- she wasn't in the side mirror uh, a second ago or something like that anyway so that would have been interesting to do
7: hmm.
1: you know was he speeding or was he t- trying to speed up or anything like that yeah so.
5: no I it's it's worth a, I think it's probably worth a call for you. I mean if they say oh yeah we have this yeah. x dollar a month reduction for that it adds up Jeff have you guys gotten
0: into any of that I know that's
6: been uh... not into the fleet. Management or <coughs> anything like that, two-way radios and cell phones, mm-hmm. and we're kind of pretty. That's we everybody are. knows. Okay, knows I'm planning on that guy getting back or and stuff. And if there's a delay, they'll call and stuff. Mm-hmm.
5: So we talked about RTX with you two. Are you? Do you know if, <coughs> if your farm is using RTK or I RTX? For RTX.
6: RTX as well?
5: Yeah. Before RTX came out, were you using an OmniStar or was, did you go straight from John Deere to RTX? Yeah. You didn't? How about you? Did you go straight from Wasp products and then your first experience of a higher precision was RTX?
6: No, we had whatever was right below RTX. OmniStar? I believe so. Okay. Have you ever had RTK? No. Okay. We've never and that's basically where you gotta have your own base station, right? Or, or either, earlier cellular, or in cellular networks now, yeah. Yeah. Any recollection on
4: I any
5: we're or we're, or wasp? I think we're wasp. Has anybody in here heard of Novatel? <laughs> that's on my shirt. No, we yeah. have. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. No. Can't yeah, say
5: no. I'm not surprised to hear that. So um you have a Novatel <laughs> receiver on your if Pete sold it to you, you have a Hotel receiver on your cab. Okay. It says Ag Leader on it though. Okay. It's probably an Ag Leader 6500. That would be manufactured by Novotel.
6: Has anybody heard of TerraStar? Yeah, I
1: think we have.
6: I've heard of that. I don't know anything about it, but... We're making progress.
7: <laughs> <laughs> that is a correction
5: service by Hotel. That's why I'm asking the GPS type questions. What's your experience with satellites are and how frustrating they can be and any type of, that's also why I was trying to ask some of the, the brand shaping questions of like, what was making you make these decisions? Was it, was it cost? Is it the support? Which from my history in the industry, I was fully expecting you to all say support and you did, so I haven't forgotten everything in the last few years, it's good to know.
0: We'll get back to the conversation shortly, but reflecting on the discussion so far, it was interesting to hear about the collaborative approach the group is seeking when it comes to collecting and applying mobile farm data. Fleet management tools were noted as especially valuable in tracking true machinery costs, such as fuel usage, vehicle performance, and working hours. Having this data organized and accessible in real time can increase farm management efficiency. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from this roundtable discussion on what the group expects to be the next game-changing technology innovation in agriculture. We've obviously talked a lot about kind of what you guys have kind of, uh, some of the origins of what technology you guys have utilized on your farm, but um, kind of looking, you know, a little bit further down the line, um, I mean, you know, there's been some references here to some of the or maybe futuristic technologies that are going to be out there. You guys have kind of played around with, you know, drones a little bit. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about implement guidance, which obviously is here, but you know, what do you guys see maybe um, as kind of maybe the next game-changing thing that you would like for your operation? You know, what's gonna... you know, if you could kind of just say, hey, if, if I could have this piece of technology or this system to implement on my operation whether it's strip till or no-till you know what what are you guys looking for um that's really going to kind of well, it, it may not have to seem realistic yeah today yeah. right
1: it I
6: mean, won't it, be in my lifetime but the autonomous planter i mean there's some major issues with these and we're running 24 row you got what 36 48. the weight of that mass yeah. If you can go down to autonomous eight row machines yep. behind a 90 horse tractor that has hardly any footprint. Just on Twitter, they had something up in Canada. Some the dot. Uh, Yeah, there you go, mm-hmm. that autonomous cedar that looked small, I mean, but yet that thing can run 24 hours a day. There's no workman's comp. There's
2: no all the other headaches that go with. I think you will see it. It'll be sooner than you think. It
6: probably will be. Not oh, far off, you <clears throat> think?
2: Uh, Jack Aldridge, of futuristic, said maybe five years. Not, I mean, five years.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: But
1: not, not, not proliferated. Yeah, mm-hmm. just the sensor data or sensors. Mm-hmm. Um, that in uh, having daily imagery to be able to afford that, but the sensors would. Those two things would really help direct your daily um, activities during the season. And then the ability of an autonomous little drone going out and and uh, checking because there's a problem here. Is it an insect problem? Mm-hmm. Is it a fungicide problem? What's what's happening? What's happening at that? It can go out and do that for you. That is going to be awesome. Cause, I mean it, it just directs you better. Make your um, daily chores or da- daily direction more pointed. Mm-hmm. So and those are coming. I mean mm-hmm. a lot of sensor a lot of sensors are gonna be out in the field. But they're not cheap enough. <coughs> so you can't you can't put enough of them out there.
0: Mm-hmm. But you're you're probably right. I mean I think as you see those start to mature a little bit more, I think you will probably see, you know, some of those opportunities be more available and you know, as far as more mass integration on your operation, which yeah. like and you
1: said. Yeah, so like right now, we use the moisture sensors, but you can only afford one out in the field and that's you know yes, you can EC or you know map your your soils, but it still doesn't tell you what's going on day to day and there are sensors out there you can read about them that you know they're smaller, they're cheaper um, the hard part would probably be getting them um, you know put out there because that, that takes time as well but it's not only just you know so so it's not just sensors in the field but yeah the daily imagery would be pretty neat to see.
5: And then tie it so it can compare to the day before you know three days before and then
1: send you alerts. Here's your hot
5: spots mm-hmm. and then automatically go out and figure out
2: bring you back a sample. of
1: Yeah yeah
2: yeah and, then, and that goes into get that'll be into the inputs pretty soon because if we can find out nitrogen yeah you know needs throughout the field. And then can, that can be a, you know, put create, onto something. Create a prescription create, map. Create a prescription right for you that okay. and then go out and apply it. Well, we're probably, you guys don't have any irrigation either place, so I, you do? I have two pivots. Okay. Or, I, I mean, have we, one, we, my son has one. We rely on a lot, so I mean we're, mm-hmm. we need that soil moisture data and we apply fertilizer through the center pivot and everything like that. So.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: There was a company, I can't think of who it
5: was, or it's it's the it was a university might have even been Nebraska, a few years ago, I think they were at InfoAg, and uh, they're talking about like sensor dust. So there's like these microchips that you just basically throw out in the field. Yeah. And then they put a sensor on the pivot. So every time the pivot went around, it read, got a reading from the sensor. The sensor just laid in the soil and could tell you moisture content, like a history of the moisture content over, it It was super small, had very little memory, but it could tell you like what the moisture content was for like the past three days. I think it even had. I don't think it can do nitrogen, but it did have like some other micronutrient type feedback out of it. Um, they were trying to work with you know get more money for it and drive it further. So,
1: I know Cornell has little sensors like maybe the size Cornell. of a post stamp. They're supposedly you can put it in the plant, you can put it on the in the ground, and it's moisture sensor. But I think they were also maybe trying to do the nutrient levels.
2: It might have been them
1: that was doing
2: it. Yeah. You were in contact with them, but you haven't heard from them lately. No,
1: but then there's also, um, it's called the Mark now, but that one, it sits on a pivot, but uh, there's nothing on the the ground, and it reads, um, it senses your nutrient levels on that. uh, That's in test mode, but I haven't seen any data how it actually works. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, It's by Arable.
0: I know of them yeah yeah it's so called the mark it was
1: called something mm-hmm. before that but that one you know that that again is you you'd only have one in the field and so it's and it's pretty big so mm-hmm.
7: yeah.
1: but the sensor does we'll have to look that up I don't.
5: I don't know the exact name of it but I was thinking that that's what they were calling it it might have been info ag or one it's ringing a bell. One of, of these I conferences. Picture, picture, it? yeah, it's so right. it really have <laughs> yeah. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just planting. What, what futuristic, crazy stuff can you, can you dream up?
7: You've, <laughs> farming or non-farming?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes the best ideas for farming come from other
4: places. That's true. That's true. I guess I really wonder. Now, I'm speaking from old school, and I'm a little older, but how fast do we have to keep going? I mean, it seems like every year we have to do twice as much, twice as fast just to stay even. And where's the breaking point? I know technology i will do a lot of it. But on the human side, I mean, where is the breaking point? Technology-wise, I there's a lot of wild things I could say, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and on that same line, at
6: what point are you just in an information overload? Mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah, have we studied every yield map, layered them in for all the years we've been collecting them? There's megabytes of data sitting in our computers that probably could be analyzed and every two or three years when we trade combines, it's a different software and this isn't now compatible. I can't pull this in, so I can't you know build all that. And and at some point, there's just the good old seat of the pants, you know how to farm. And I know what we were talking about on, I'm a climate dealer, technically. I'm a Monsanto Calbasco dealer too, so we added the climate. And some of all these sensors still a hell of a lot more fun to grab a six pack and the wife and I go check corn at night, you know? Stop at the neighbors, see what's going on, and you can't do that with an iPad and a sensor,
2: you know? Good point.
3: I think you can also get to the point where you the technology gets so good that you become dependent on it. Oh yeah. And then you forget some of the basic things. I mean, for mm-hmm. my generation, I. Half the people I know, I feel like don't know how to talk on the phone or have a oh, decent yeah. conversation because they have an app that can text out their thoughts for them and they can't even do things in the real time because <laughs> they've just become glued to these devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can see that to a certain extent, you know, be careful what you wish for
7: mm-hmm.
3: or at least have this, the, the conscious of mind to learn it and then also have these supplemental yeah. technologies. But you know, if you go too mm-hmm. far, you could get too dependent on it. And then what happens when it breaks down? Yeah better hope the service guys there
6: oh i mean this world is just going to shut down they don't have to attack anything but our internet service i mean i'm sure you can too i can bring up right now i can increase the the pivot speed slow it down turned on turned off reverse it whatever uh you probably got 20 pivots in your 16 yeah 16 (laughs) yeah close (laughs) and you made time to get here how the heck do you do that then it rains. It'll, it'll, it'll <laughs> you know, it's it's just
1: it's, it's hard because I agree with you ones once not enough enough. But it you either hang with it or it passes yep. you by. Mm-hmm. No. Unfortunately. No. Um but like you said, you know, you gotta be able to step back and take a look at it. Mm-hmm. But um but we're not gonna let it pass us by. I was like, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: Like, I remember when uh, independent row clutches came out mm-hmm. and the people that would come up to a trade show booth and like, just, oh, that, we don't need that. And now, how many people do you talk? That to would that be are,
6: one, one of the top five that I would not give up at all. I'd give up a whole bunch of other stuff before I'd give up row clutches.
1: That, don't you think that was probably the, the one technology that you got your money back on right away?
6: Yeah, yep. yeah.
5: But then it had so many other benefits that you don't even, that weren't, like the seed savings are just black and white. But then there's all these other things that start coming up, the less lodged corn and turning in, finding your guest rows when you're trying to harvest. And like all those little things that started to come with it that you don't really even put a value on. You mentioned that you were yellow, uh, had some yellow equipment. Uh, so AGCO actually sells a Novatel branded receiver. Now when you buy an Ag- like a new Challenger, it can be either a Terrastar, or Terrastar, it can be a uh, Trimble receiver or a Novatel receiver. AGCO lets the grower pick. Um, so, I mean, you already have the relationship with Trimble on the farm and such. But now, um, I guess it's kind of, if you go in, say you're gonna go buy a new Challenger 1000 I think that's the new model mm-hmm. if you're going to go and buy a Challenger one thousand and you saw Trimble you can order it with the Trimble route or you can order it with the novatel route what type of questions or what type of um, things would be rolling through your mind on wait a minute or to do you, I'm, I'm since you already have Trimble on the farm now i'm guessing you're say well if this will match what I have I'm going to go that route yeah but had you still been a John Deere dealer today or John dealer uh, saw your John Deere equipment and you came into AgCo today and you saw Trimble or Novatel, what would be kind of your when you look at the salesperson and like what would be some of your questions on like what are the difference between these two or would you yeah. say
2: like, well I've heard of Trimble from my case friends? Right, we'd know Trimble, we wouldn't know Novatel, but I mean I would I would be one to ask. I would ask what the feature of each was before I before I met a station. I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't just make a decision on that. I'd want, you know, I'd trust him to tell me what the difference is between the two. Is one gonna be better? Is it gonna be better on side hills? Is it gonna, is it works differently? Is it, you know? I mean, that's where more, a lot of it would be, probably the accuracy and, yeah. I so would in ask, a
5: comparison chart, if the check boxes are the same, what's the deciding factor? The comfort, comfort level of the brand from the dealer or
2: cost? It all depends on what that difference is. I mean,
1: you okay. know, uh, you'd, you'd go cost and service and weigh the yeah. How much do they really know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if something happens with that, and what happens if something does happen? What's your you know policy on mm-hmm. or what kind of um,
6: warranties yeah. or replacements?
1: But I mean, that's normally what you talk about is yeah. the price and then what kind of service.
0: Well, thank you to each of the farmers for sharing their perspectives and pathways for precision technology adoption. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemleka at or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest Precision Farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free daily email update. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on February 7th for the next episode in our 2018 podcast series and look for continuing coverage of our just completed third Precision Farming Dealer Summit throughout the coming year. For each of the farmers who joined us for the roundtable discussion and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.